0: Hello and welcome to Money Beat Week. This is Steve Grosser with Eric Holm, Maureen Farrell, and Steve Russelillo. And it's getting a little volatile out there. Being
1: in global sales, I never know where my job will take me. The last thing I need to worry about while traveling is outrageous data charges. That's why I switched to T-Mobile's Simple Choice for Business plan. I get unlimited text and data in over 100 countries at no extra charge. No multiple SIM cards or international data plans. I just land, turn on my phone, and It works. Switch to T-Mobile at T-Mobile.com/business. Limited time only. Subject to change. Capable device required. Standard speeds approximately 128 kilobits per second. See T-Mobile.com for details and included destinations.
0: So, Steve, one of the big things we've seen in recent in the in the last, I would say, what two weeks, three weeks, is that volatility is beginning to ramp up. The VIX is gone from you know as low as like you know ten. Uh, of like 5 right to like over 16 now. Now granted that's historically below its or that's below its historical average but such a you know a big move in a, in just a matter of you know a couple of days is is noticeable. Why I mean, why are we seeing why has this like this you know we had this long period of no 1% moves why has this all of a sudden sort of changed well really volatility had
2: only one way to go it was only going to go up from right. where it was so and i think and that's what you're seeing now so you're right the the vix the volatility index has picked up a bit over the past several weeks and it's it's a, it's just basically everything that's happening around the globe whether you it's the tension in in gaza whether it's ukraine and russia whether it's now U.S. and Iraq. I mean, there's just so many different geopolitical events here going on that can that have the ability to spook the markets one way or the other. Uh, with all that said, a lot of people still point out that the U.S. market is holding up real, relatively well, comparatively speaking. Meaning that there's you know, if you look at what's going on in Europe, uh, and those stocks are getting hit a lot harder than the U.S. stocks are getting hit. So, uh, it, it we've seen a, a bit of a pullback here. The Dow is down nine out of the past twelve days, down
0: about four and a half percent during that that stretch. So, but still it's far from the ten percent correction everyone has been right. waiting for.
2: Waiting for, and if you think about it, it's four and a half percent off of a record high. That's coming from off of a five year bull market, in which the market
0: was up about two hundred percent. So it's you know it's and it's, it's you, a little move right here, it's and, and, and not and, and really it's th- a blip. It's and a you blip, exactly. and you yeah, and you've pointed this out in in, in several of your columns this week that like. A lot of people believe that you know the it, it, that the bull run is, long, is is far from over right like like that this is this is exactly what Maureen just said a blip and and you and you made the point too I you know I think that volatility was so low I mean you could not get a more placid sort of trading volume. it was low volume hardly any you know any big moves uh the market was just slowly, ever so slowly grinding higher to record highs that anything, any kind of move of jump up in volatility would have sort of Right, feeling right. something. Uh, absolutely, I think the more interesting move that's going on right now
2: because we've been talking about this for a while now. I mean, no ten percent pullback in the stock market for the past three years now. Uh, every single time you see a, like a five, six, seven percent move, it's a buying opportunity, and the market ends up coming back. And so it's the same old story right now. And and, and you're seeing that even uh, and today on Friday, I mean, the Dow was up you know eighty points in Friday afternoon trading. This is after it talked about this you know being down four and a half percent over the past several weeks. So. But I think what's more interesting uh, out of all of this is what's happening in the treasury market right now. And you're seeing the 10-year yield hit a new low for the year on Friday. It's below 2.4%. So the fear that's in the market is arguably it's it, it's showing in, in treasuries right now. And you're seeing it and people are still piling into the bond market at a time where, especially coming into this year, if you think about it, people only said the interest rates were only going one way and they were only going to go up. That's Water. what Everybody said, but and it's been the that. exact
0: opposite. We're only getting closer to when the Fed is going to raise rates. Right, right. I mean, that's that's the, what I think is so. I mean, crazy is that you're you see this pullback, you know, and and the yields, like the yields, you know, keep falling. But we're what you know, if 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 we go six months, we're talking April of next year when the you know if the 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 Fed said it's going to end in October. Six months after that would be April. If it goes even earlier, because it gets concerned about inflation or the strength of the economic recovery, corporate earnings are showing you know strength. So there's a good signs that they might actually move earlier. Yet yields still coming it's, in.
2: It, it, it's very. Uh, this is what I think is is kind of strange in the sense that you're getting very mixed signals from both the stock market and the bond market. Yes, <coughs> yes, stocks are down four and a half percent as we mentioned, but it's really that. Uh, it, it it is a blip. Not to uh, to repeat what, what what Maureen said, it is really a blip. But the bond market, though, is really something that's like that. That's telling you a much different story. That's telling you that people are are nervous, they're skittish, they're they're p- pile, they're still piling into safe haven assets. But uh, Steve,
3: I mean, it's interesting because we've been seeing it for so. I mean, it's there's been this discrepancy for so long, and as you both said, it's a, it's so strange that it's continuing when the Fed really chronicled what they're going to do next but what it's just it's very it is mystifying i mean what do you what do you make of it i mean i
2: well what people are saying now is that these are at least over the past few weeks here what you've seen when the tenure has gotten below two six and two five and now below two four it's really this is just the the short-term geopolitical turmoil that that's driving it and that a lot of, you know, Goldman, J.P. Morgan both came out this week and said that they're sticking with their 3% targets for the end of the year. So they still see yields going back up, uh, even amid what's been happening over the past several weeks now. So, I mean, it, it could that play out? Certainly. I mean, let's say things get better overseas and it's not as bad as as it looks right now. I mean, it's, it's possible that, that the fear trade could come off a little bit and that bond yields could go higher, but... That's what people said at the beginning of the year, too, and it hasn't happened.
0: No, I mean that's that's. I mean, it's not just the beginning of the year. I mean, people have been saying for how many years? Going yeah. back for well, yeah, thirty no. <laughs> you're years, you're right, you're that right. this bond bull market is over, yeah. and it's just. I mean, and granted, I I agree with your analysis. I think this is very much like the geopolitical you know, turmoil is making people skittish, and they're heading for this now. I think you know Goldman and, and JP Morgan are probably right that if if this geopolitical turmoil goes away, like you'll see this. But it's it's very interesting that like you know we keep saying. Yields have to go higher. <laughs> exactly, and they yeah. really haven't gone higher. Jeffrey yeah.
3: Gundlach.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, you know, I mean, basically the only move we've really seen was, like, you know, um, was, you know, off the all-time lows in May of 2013 when, you know, Bernanke basically said the taper was coming that was, like, the big move, and it's basically been hovering around that. Right. Yeah, because back then. then. And back that's then, back I... to where it was in, like, 2010, I believe, too. Right. I,
2: I believe could be a little off on these numbers, but I think in May 2013, it was around 1.6, the 10-year yeah. year yield. And I think it got then spiked up to two point six. So one point six to within two point six within a couple 6, of months. Right, right. One point six to two point six
0: on a percentage basis. It's a pretty big move. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you're still
2: talking two point six.
1: Low.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is you know people who are buying a house in like the late seventies, early eighties would love. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when you're getting
1: more – mortgage have loved rate would love double of, that. Actually, yeah. 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 Um, so
2: it, it's strange. I mean, now so now you know we're in the dog days of summer here. Trading volume has been low. It hasn't been as low as I thought it would have been. Um, I think that the first part of August here has actually been higher than what took place in July, which it was, July was like the lowest month in what seven years or something. But uh, it, it will be interesting to see how it all plays out because, again, you know, people are people have been calling for the, that pullback in the stock market for so long. Is it going to get to the ten percent level? Is it just going to maybe fall a little bit further from here? If the the S and P is around nineteen ten right now, a lot of people are saying eighteen ninety, eighteen eighty might be a support level. Eighteen sixty is the two hundred day moving average. So,
1: could- I, I thought today's reaction was very interesting because we came in all fired up and ready to see how badly the market tanked, you know, when it opened in the U.S. here, and instead, by the time the market opened, it was up. It was up, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, which, which t- I, does that tell any of you anything about um, maybe, maybe all the the, the the concern over the last week or so? I think might I, be I a mean I, think,
0: I, I mean, well, I mean, I think part of it is, I mean, it's weighing in and I mean, the U.S. is doing better, I think, than you know a lot of places in the world. The geopolitical concerns are, you know, the ramping up in the Ukraine is. It's going to take a lot more to have an effect on the U.S. than it is on Europe. Um, and, and we've seen this since – I mean, in, in, since Draghi's famous comments of we'll do whatever it takes, that was – the U.S. really hasn't followed in the footsteps of the overseas market. There, I mean, I, I, just tell me if you, you think I'm wrong here, Steve, but, like, there's been a consistent sort of break that, like, you'll see, like, Asia and in in, 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 um, Europe – you know have you know get hit pretty hard and whacked around, and then it comes to the u s and the u s sort of takes it and has been taking it in stride it's it it sort of ends there um I don't know no, but- I know there's definitely something to, to be said for that you know the
2: u s has been seen as the the best the best alternative out there compared to wherever you're going to put your money and and going into this year everyone said u s stocks were still the best alternative compared to bonds because interest rates had to go up again that hasn't really played out just yet but that that that's what people were saying and then getting back to the geopolitical stuff it's the way one guy described it to me today like it's not it, it it's very sad and it's very tragic what's going on over yeah. going on over there and that has to be have, in all can, the different hotspots right right I mean, right I cannot stress that enough like that is like that's such a, a a key point of all this but when you look at it from a market from the market's perspective is what is happening in gaza or in russia and ukraine is any of that actually going to impact the bottom lines of any S&P 500 company, and if the answer is no, then it theoretically should not have a huge impact on the U.S. markets. Now, I know that might be a little bit too simplistic of a way of, of looking at things, but if you get past some of the short-term jitters, if there really isn't going to have a lasting impact on U.S. companies here, it really shouldn't have a lasting impact on their stock prices either. So, that that that's an interesting argument that I that that. I feel like you don't really hear that well, often. I mean, it,
1: it, the impacts could be sanctions by Russia ramping up to some degree or the cost of oil going up because of Iraq. But at this point, I think people were – I mean, we, you and I, Steve, were talking earlier today about how interesting it was that earlier this week, some comment by a rando in Poland – I mean, a, a minister in Poland. <laughs> um,
0: prime minister. <laughs>
1: no, no, wasn't, it wasn't the prime minister. It wasn't was the prime minister? It was some – it was not the prime minister, right? I'll
2: uh, we'll have to check. Some guy then. in Poland <laughs> said,
1: <laughs> said said that uh, Russia could be looking to move closer, to take take steps towards invading or something like that, yeah. invading Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, you said and that suddenly on the that verge the, of invading. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, that sent the market down. Mm-hmm. But today, it seems like it, there's more going on today with geopolitical stuff and... The markets up. right it's, it's, very, it, it, it's very weird
2: it's it's very strange it, it it's definitely very strange and so I think that you're gonna see more of this
0: i mean it's 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 but you gonna... also i mean yesterday I was just going to say also you saw a lot of headlines about the u s bombing uh isis before in fact we knew that like you there were headlines hitting and it was and it was hitting the you know it was weighing on stocks mm-hmm. yesterday, so it's another example of like you know headlines I were not sure true or not. Right, impacting the stock market. Right, right, Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think
2: uh, we're getting the ten percent correction? Is this is this the beginning? Are we finally heading to that that path?
0: That's I I I I really have. I, I mean, I generally agree that like you know, listen, if oil 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 is a wild card, obviously because if oil like does you know you know you see a significant spike in oil and all that that. That has wide implications, but in terms of like sanctions and all this, you know, getting back to the point that um, the guy you were talking to said, the most, most like the vast majority or a large majority of the profits at S and P companies, you know, earnings and revenue comes from North America. And North America, you know, continues to sort of right itself and is it continues to be strong. There, the impact to the bottom line of these S and P companies should be minimal due to sanctions. Now um you know and that and, and, and given and when and we were talking about this earlier, you know, corporate earnings are surprisingly strong. I mean what is it? It's over it's eight five? Ten percent now. Ten percent now. Ten percent profit growth. Yeah. Ten, I mean that that's that's better than like, you know, when we were is debating, Papa Bear? Can, yeah, we exactly. call, can we call Paul Vini here we were, and get his reaction to this? When we were debating this, I mean like the historical average is around eight, right? Yeah, for you know, per quarter, and this so we're exceeding that. That's that's a that's a good sign for the economy, and like that's a good sign for people who are, you know, buying and selling stocks in, the, in these companies.
3: So I talked to one hedge fund manager this week, and the point that he made was he still thinks they're attractive stocks. There's there's good credit out there to buy. He can get a good return on it. But he thinks – he's said, as we were just saying, for the last few years, you could just kind of more broadly invest in the market and you're going to get a really good return. He was talking – I know other people have said this – just about it being a return to the stock picker's market. Like, you have to pick the winners. You have to pick the right companies. You didn't have to do that quite so much before. He just thinks it's still good. There's still room to run. But you need to be much more selective. And he thinks that's the only way you're going to really – it's a good point.
2: If you just look at the broad markets returns this year, I mean, the Dow is now negative for the year. S and P is up about four percent, but it, they've both basically traded in this very, very small trading range. I mean, so yeah, there are certain. There's you look at a lot of the momentum names that were up big or yeah. down big. I mean, there are definitely ways to play this market where there are significant winners and losers. Whereas in the past, maybe
0: even as recently as 2013, everything was a winner. So. The other interesting thing is, like, it's also during this, you know, July, which is the, you know, the really big part in, into August, the really big part of earnings season, the stock market's been down. I mean, it finished July down, and it's, yeah, I believe it's probably still down for August, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what, it, and, and what's also interesting is you look at, at the, you know, the sort of stats of, you know, companies that have beaten, you know, earning uh, estimates have actually, like, wasn't it wasn't like they're, they're down. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, on average, um, which sort of suggests that like, you know, earnings might be you know sort of taking, you know there might have been a greater impact with you know of the geopolitical concerns without earnings, but it also suggests that if these if the geopolitical concerns sort of clear up, that you know, and people start looking at the you know uh, at the earnings growth in the second quarter and feel like this you know the third quarter is going to have good earnings growth in the fourth quarter and stuff like that. There might be a little bit of room for run. Maybe. I I would agree with that because the if.
2: if the earnings season is looking at 10% profit growth here for the second quarter for S&P 500 companies compared to a year ago. And analysts are projecting the same sort of growth trajectory in the second half of the year, 10% in both the third quarter and the fourth quarter. Now, analysts' projections, we all know it's a big game. They go up. They, they vary widely. but
0: And they also come in as it gets closer right, right. And closer. right. So
2: we'll have to see on that, of course. But – you're right, though. If if the second quarter, if, if earnings season continues on this path that it's been on, and you have a stock market that is still just kind of muddling along, there should be reason for it to be able to move higher, even with it at such such high levels right now. I I think that's a good argument. And it's one that certainly you could make in this environment.
0: Now, let's switch it up and get into uh, Maureen's uh Arena for a little bit. What a week! Yeah,
2: what a week for crazy. Maureen. What, what happened, <laughs> Maureen? Oh, Man, oh what'd you do? What'd you do to the M and A market? <laughs> I blame Maureen. It's all <laughs> Maureen's fault.
0: It's a, it's a, there was a boom, and all of a sudden, there was
2: a
1: <laughs> Maureen killed it. A, a Bust. <laughs> <Yeah.
3: laughs> Came back, and it's done. Uh-huh.
1: So, wait, so what happened? There, there were. I'm losing track now. The days.
3: So, what what happened? So it was a big Wednesday. No, a big Tuesday, Yeah, some crazy news on Tuesday. We saw two huge deals that were very widely – maybe it's not fair to say the Fox Time Warner deal was anticipated, but it was announced basically, uh, and then Sprint T-Mobile was widely expected. Both of them withdrawn on the same day, more than $100 billion worth of deals. We also saw another development. Walgreen decided not to invert, not to take an overseas tax. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Walgreens. Yes, Walgreens. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasize <We're>, no S.
1: <laughs> yeah, although this the is stores a big are point Walgreens. Of discussion. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I'll, I don't want to sidetrack us, but it, the company is Walgreen Co. Right. Yes. Even though the stores are Walgreens. I don't understand. I, just, I was applauding. I, I was applauding yeah. Maureen's uh, accuracy in, in Go a ahead. corporate
3: context, yeah. in the M and A context. Yeah. So just th- two huge hits to overall deal volume. One.
0: Well, it's also like the political rhetoric too. It wasn't just the Walgreen. It was walking away from a tax inversion. It was you had the president calling you unpatriotic.
3: Exactly, a corporate deserter. They are and, not going to be And one. it looks
1: like Treasury is uh, is 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 going to move.
3: That's it, the other div- or figure. They're figuring out how they can do it as quickly right, as right, possible. Right. And it do- you're right. It does look like they're going to do something. To right. attack this problem, what they call a problem of tax inversions, so the company is buying up a company overseas, taking a smaller company, taking its address, taking its low tax rate or lower. ways to maneuver the taxes or access their overseas cash to basically lower lower their tax rate.
1: And the U.S. Treasury cares, of course, because that the 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 taxes that were paid in the U.S. will ne- will now be paid to the the foreign government, although. Smaller percentage.
3: Yeah. UK, Ireland, the Netherlands. So this we've seen a a whole lot of these deals. We've seen about fifteen in the last since twenty thirteen, they're ramping up. But the big But they're also
0: big deals too for the most part. I mean, like, you know, fifteen doesn't sound like a lot, but these are big companies, you know, for the most part.
3: Dollar value. And yeah, suddenly they're and and one of them one one of them
0: that didn't even get through Pfizer AstraZeneca was a hundred billion dollar deal, or close to a hundred billion dollar deal. Um, you know, so, so that's sort of what we're, you know, we're talking about here. And
3: the other issue was, I mean, we've what we've seen, you know, the, the Pfizer one didn't get through, but there's a, it's very clear that every single possible company that can do an inversion and stands to benefit from it is weighing it now. So we've seen a lot of these, but the, the real worry in the administration and the Treasury is that it's just going to, the frenzy is going to continue and that they could have seen it, you know, there still could be like another dozen this year. Every, every single tax, M&A tax lawyer, m lawyer, M&A dealmaker is working on one of these deals right now. Not just one, but many. If you're in the healthcare.
0: Because I mean, you have to. I mean, if you're if you're in that industry and your competitor does a tax inversion, you are at a competitive disadvantage in terms of you know from for shareholders in terms of you know you're paying you're paying higher taxes, and in terms of also doing deals. Like if you want to do a future deal, um, you know if you're in a lower tax uh, country, it will make the deal more accretive, quicker. It'll give you more cash to do the deal. These are all things that you know. I mean, it almost—it's like it's one of these. It's a domino. One does it, the other ones have to almost follow suit, otherwise. Or you have
3: to answer and be very explicit every single conference call during earnings yeah. season. You have to explain why. why to you're your not doing it.
0: And and so I mean, it you know it, you really can't. I mean, that's one of the reasons why. I mean, like you're seeing a flood of them too, is because, you
1: know. But Maureen, explain to me what you, we we were talking about this morning, which was the idea that if the Treasury does something. Um, you, you can't, you know, government bureaucracy famously doesn't always move very quickly here. But e- Treasury's sort of telegraphing a little bit, but that doesn't mean that you can just rush out and get a deal done and 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 be safe. Like there's a lot at play here, right?
3: Exactly. So this professor, uh, Harvard Law School professor, came out oh, more than a week ago now with an article explaining how the Treasury. Could potentially use its powers to rewrite the tax code to make these inversions less attractive to the companies like to limit their ability to move around debt and take um, lower their taxes with it or not pay dividends he He outlined a number of steps that it could take, so the administration's now weighing it so the the theory is it's very broad what they could possibly do, but should they issue a notice? In mid September, even if they take the next month or so, they craft some sort of change to the law, even a very preliminary one. The day that they put it out is considered the effective date for the law. They it's can like go put, ahead and putting a
1: flag in the ground right there.
3: Exactly. So they could go out and change it over the coming months, but the date is effectively the date that they put the first notice out. So if you, even if in the next few weeks, you go ahead and you announce your deal, if you're a big pharma company, you decide you're going to invert, you're going to buy a company overseas you could still be affected by whatever regulation they put forth.
1: As long as your deal hasn't closed. Yeah,
3: right. exactly. The closing right. date is really like going to be key. But also, there's another question. It's not just the closing date. It's the part of the benefit of these inversions is that even after you close, you need to issue debt and do certain things to take advantage of the, the new tax benefits. So it could also even affect companies uh, that close – that haven't issued well, debt yet. But the the, well, the that, reasons well, that,
1: well, for doing it would vanish before you had a chance to take advantage of them.
0: Well, exactly. it, would even, it, would, it, would, it would even be... I mean, it's, that's, the, that's the interesting thing, I think, is it's, it's not even whether the deal is closed or not. They're talking about changing the tax law that would, you know, impact, you know, the companies no matter, you know, whether it's closed or the not. Right? So, right? Yeah. I mean, like, they're going after, you know... I mean, one idea was, you know, as you said, the, you know, the how the debt is treated. And that... Would have a really chilling effect, and that would and that 's why foreign companies are now you know you know up in arms that have a big presence in the u s
3: yeah, and there's a question of how broad the administration will use their powers you know they could, the theory at least with this Harvard Law School professor Steve Shea, he thinks that it could be it could be very broad as far as how we treat multinational corporations. Um, mm-hmm in uh, taxation in and out of the United States, his theory, and he is not talking to anyone in the Treasury Department, is that they want to be pretty narrow with how they write it, just because they can get it out quickly. It won't be so political. In general, you know, people are pretty up in arms about inversions. So if, if they could just kind of attack it and move forward, because the sense is, even though members of Congress have been talking about rewriting legis- writing legislation to change the tax code and limit the possibility of these inversions make it more difficult to do it there's still a theory that it's not going to get done that the republicans aren't going to yeah both Uh, houses but i think a lot of people point to the republicans say that they want to overhaul the whole tax code so if they give in on this they're losing the broader war this makes them look like they're going to be weak on taxation so it's there's a sense that the the administration just has to act now i
0: mean i mean this all comes back you know to the fact that we haven't overhauled our tax code in forever and our our tax code. I mean, you know, the thirty five percent is out of step with a lot of other com- countries. But
1: it's not really thirty five percent. No,
0: and that's that's yes. a key point. But that's the point is that's really interesting. Is it's because we haven't overhauled our tax code and right. our tax code is full of all like tons and tons of loopholes and you know all this. I mean, it, it would make sense to you know. I uh, mean, it's really because Congress hasn't acted that like you know. We're coming to this problem, and the treasury you know, having to look to fix it itself.
3: And once, um, once John Stewart and Stephen Colbert weigh in on tax <laughs> inversions, I think the the Obama administration really, really takes notice. We saw them that, both. Well, that's talk at about least a,
1: a sign that uh, it's reached the popular consciousness. Yeah, yeah that's suddenly... The, the most
0: boring reason. But I mean, instead I, of
1: I, steering people to that post we did, I would rather steer them to the one we're doing about the uh, Harvard Law Professor, which is going to be uh, featured prominently on yeah. our site. All well, time. yeah, the, the, he...
0: he. I mean, he's really interesting because, you know, he is, like, the, you know, one of the real experts in this. And what was, I think, fascinating, and you talked about this, was, like, the Treasury Department was like, oh, we can't do anything. Right. Like, in mid July, like July, like it was like around mid July that they were saying July that Jack 16th, Liu, July 16th, and now they're like, Oh, we have all these options, and it's because he wrote a you know a paper supposedly, it appears year. that way, anyway. Or, yeah,
3: yeah. it really yeah. appears. I mean, there was no sign that they were considering this. He puts a paper out in this tax publication, it's called Tax Notes. All, all the tax professionals read, read, read it, <laughs> it's an exciting <laughs> not place. not just the tax
1: professionals. I mean.
3: Well, now, I mean, this was publication, <laughs> every, um, every single it's like accounting weekly, <laughs> every single tax lawyer who works on M&A deals is it's a 10 page paper that's Professor Shea put out. They're reading every single word of it. It's gone. Davis Polk had this webinar this week just going through, you know, what could happen, but specifically really looking into what Steve Shea wrote. Everyone's watching it.
0: And Barclays put out like, you know. a a report today right Mm
3: -hmm. looking
0: at like you know uh, what what was the deal?
3: It was the Abbey Shire deal.
0: And looking at you know how this you know everything the treasury department's considering could impact the you know the rationale the economic rationale for that deal.
3: So they're like modeling they're modeling deals that have already been done as if some of these take effect. And to the
1: credit of the lawyers who put these deals together some of them saw this coming saw, saw the backlash coming because they've been writing these caveats into the uh, deal language, right? Saying, Yeah, um, our
3: colleague Dana Mattioli wrote a piece a few right. weeks ago that she she was talking to lawyers. They had started putting in clauses that you could potentially unwind these deals. The thing that's happened, they, the difference right now in this last week with it is that they're weighing the possibility of using new language. So what, what Dana had reported on is that it looked like basically the language was that if if you can't get an inversion done because cho- Congress changes the law and suddenly, mm-hmm. you know, we put this deal together, suddenly you can't do an inversion, you can't invert. Then this deal is wiped away or, you know, there are changes. Now it seems like they're weighing, using different language that even if you're able to technically invert, Congress doesn't take – Changes law, you're able to take up domicile overseas.
0: But if oh, the yeah,
3: if the economics of it change because of like these administrative rulings, then you know, then the clauses takes effect.
0: And the and the real question too is, you know, uh, that from the standpoint is, if you've announced a tax inversion deal. And this is all now taking place, and you don't have any protection. You do you really do you want to delay? Do you want to like push back the closing of your deal as much as possible? Because you know, if the economic rationale doesn't make sense anymore, I mean, do you? I mean, are you? Are, are you know you as a buyer going to have cold feet and not get want to get stuck doing this deal if all of a sudden you know you're. You know, um, the, your debt's going to be taxed another way. I mean, it's almost like you might not want to close the deal.
3: Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a really good point of the ones that we already have heard about. Because some, I mean, most to some extent make te- make sense strategically of these pharma deals. Yeah, and they, but, and they
0: and all the CEOs have also argued that point on their the call announcing the deals for the most. Part. But, People believe
1: them to some greater mm, or
3: lesser degree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the market was trading; these companies were trading up, both the buyer yeah. and the target. Yet, I mean, there's a very wide range of which ones actually made the most sense, which ones were kind of a stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be if this if the administration moves forward, it's a, it's a really good point, Steve, that we're going to just see it play out in the stock prices. Likely how you know what how they think the deal was structured, if it was a good idea to begin with or not, or if it was just bid up because of the so-called inversion premium.
2: I got some uh, breaking news for you guys. Seriously. Uh, Russia's defense minister said that military exercises near Ukraine are quote unquote over. Uh, Just seeing a couple headlines here. I don't have the full story yet, but the Dow is up more than 150 points right now. Wow. it's basically more than doubled its gains good. more than doubled its
0: gains since we started talking on this podcast. Russia, I mean, I would and, I would make one point. I think you know it makes sense for us it's probably end it here but I would make one point. The Russia just said that many many, many. <laughs> right <laughs> right.
2: But uh you know now now they're all Dow S&P 500 and Nasdaq
0: depending on where they close, but they now could
2: all possibly close in positive territory for the week uh so that would be pretty shocking kind especially considering some of the st- some of the days that occurred this week but uh yeah it's just it's a headline-driven market once again, and this is just Wait, further for evidence so, of so it. For
1: so long, it wasn't, though. That's, yeah. what's, that's what's interesting. So, that it's yeah. back, it was a
2: macro.
0: Yeah, up until the past few weeks, really. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, but I, I think that's a good place to end it for the day. Thanks for joining us. This has been Steve Grosser, Eric Holm, Maureen Farrell, and Steve russo Join us next week. Now this. If you don't have a will, the court may dictate what happens to your property and minor children. Don't let that happen. It's National Make-A-Will Month. So call or visit LegalZoom today for special pricing on wills and living trusts. LegalZoom has been helping people protect their families for over 13 years. They make it painless to get the legal help you need. Don't forget to enter WSJ in the referral box at checkout to save more. LegalZoom provides legal help through independent attorneys and self-help, but they're not a law firm. Protect your family and future today at LegalZoom.com.